Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. The epistle for this Christmas day is from Titus chapter 3, from verse 4 to 7. We are saved by God's love. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Friends, the grace and the mercy and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you this Christmas day, day of all days. I'm going to have a look at the second reading for today. And I think it would be good today to, instead of me trying to help you figure out what Christmas is all about, I think we kind of know that, what about if we went the other way, as the word from Titus does, uh, about what Christmas actually does to you and then requires of you as a result? So what does Christmas do for you? And what does Christmas call you to do in your world? Christmas actually does things to us, I think, because Jesus Christ is living and active and does things to us on a daily basis. And at Christmas time, he's the centre, he's the reason for the season, as we say, and he did what he did and it all began, well, long before him, didn't it? But it began in that shed in that hay with those cows and those people and all the things we know about Christmas. Christmas actually does things and it calls you to do and be things. I think that's what Paul is saying to his, uh, well, I guess son in the faith as an under-shepherd, a pastor of his local church. Paul is helping Titus as a leader in his local church and helping his local church people, just like you and I, ponder the depths of what God has done in that shed on that day and since. And that boy in that shed, and everything we know, and how the story ends and how it begins after that day, everything is meant to have an effect. It's meant to affect a new life in you. It's meant to affect new relationships or to renew relationships. It's meant to affect new behaviour, new attitudes. For anyone who has been on the receiving end, as Paul beautifully puts it, of the kindness and love of God, our Saviour, who appeared to save us, not condemn us. Christmas changes us 
and we are meant to respond. Now I know it's much safer to keep Christmas happy and cheery and traditional family time. That's what the world seems to love about it. Nothing wrong with family, mind you, or food, or good wine, or great meals, or being together, or catching up, or even tradition. Nothing wrong with that at all. But if that's all that boy in the shed means, then that is not good. Not good. Nothing happens. Nothing new begins. No hope. No new life. No peace that Sharon just talked about. Short-changing God, short-changing what cost he paid to bring you to his love and his kindness. So what is Christmas meant to do for this local community called St Petri? Well, before we ponder that, we need to be really super clear what Paul talks about here. For anybody to know absolutely 100% for sure that you have been on the receiving end of God's love and kindness. How do you know that? How do you bank on it? How do you believe it this morning? Well, I'll tell you where Paul goes. You might have picked it up in the text. Paul locates our hope and our confidence and our identity and even the moment when all the kindness and love of this saviour boy came to each of us personally, by name, in the new gospel community he began that day in the shed. Paul calls it the washing of rebirth. Come on, you've got to put that somewhere. What is that? What is the washing of rebirth? It's got to be your baptism has to be. Baptism tells you that you have indeed been treated very kindly and you have indeed been on the receiving end of God's love and kindness and mercy. And as Paul makes the point, not because of how you perform and how good you are or how bad you've been, but because he makes you new in that moment. He does it. He does it. And it cost him everything and it's 100% free for you. That's the grace of God, friends. And you've been on the receiving end of that. So can I address you as baptised, loved person of a kind God? You are now right with your creator. And not because of what you've done, the righteous things you've done, but by the righteous things that Jesus did for you and gave you. So I wonder if at Christmas time it's even a bit easier, maybe, to kind of receive this really good news in a way, because when you think about it, um, the witness that Matthew and Luke give, you know, give us in the Bible and in, in the Gospels, and all the ancient promises that's based on, all those words we hear from the prophet Isaiah at this time of year, it's really easy to see that God actually did all of this. You know, the shepherds had no idea that the angels and the singing would happen that night. They were shocked. They were surprised. Mary and Joseph had no idea it would all happen in that shed. No clue. All the camel riders from the east, 
All they had to go on was a star. That's all they knew. Joseph didn't even make Mary pregnant. Bit of a surprise. Herod didn't make Jesus king. In fact, as we know, he tried to get rid of him. So it seems a bit easier, at least to me, to see that Christmas is actually all God. He starts it and he ends it. When the kindness and love of our God, our Saviour, appeared, he saved us. That's the news. That's the good news. Everything is God's doing. And what does the Old Testament say? And it is marvellous in our eyes. I hope it is for you today. And because did all this for us, his grace and his kindness, the world, in the world, it's not dependent on your goodness or badness or indifference or interest. God's goodness is God's goodness and he's done enough and he's done it all. So we can trust it because it's not fickle like me and fickle like you. He doesn't fail. He doesn't withdraw. He doesn't withhold. He's relentless in his acceptance and love of all the wrong people like you. And Paul says, though, on the other hand, we are involved. You might say we are required contributors in this Jesus and his resurrected ministry, his mission to bring everybody home. We are fully engaged, I hope, in this new life that we've been given, this new hope that we live with, this new light that lights up whatever darkness you are facing at the moment. So how do we respond? How do you respond? Well, I think if you read Titus and the rest of the New Testament, in fact the Old Testament too, when one gets a sense of God's kindness and his mercy for me, for me, my Saviour, my Lord, when that happens, you'll have to kind of join the people from the east and the shepherds and the sheep and the Mary and Joseph in that first moment. You've got to get on your knees and just worship this boy and this God of grace who's done it all when I couldn't do a thing. So worship is the response. Of course it is when we're gathered like this. But then worship, you know, it carries on the minute you walk out that door and go to lunch today because your whole life is worship, as you know. And then, can I share with you just briefly before we leave this, very practical things that Christmas does. This is the response. This is what Christmas does to us and this is what is required or how we respond. Very practical. Paul says, Rebuke people who reject Christ as king and do so sharply. We don't like doing that. Why? To get them and pay them back? No. So that they will be sound in faith in him. No. Okay. And pay no attention to myths of mere human command of those who reject the truth. I'm hearing what Christmas does to us. Speak together, friends. Speak truthfully to each other and help each other avoid myths and lies and conspiracy theories and merely human direction and belief that are not founded on the word of God who dwelt among us, this baby boy. Teach the old men to be temperate 
I'll let you decide if you're in that category. I'm not going to say who is. Uh, Teach the old men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled and sound in faith, love and endurance. Seniors, I'm talking to you. Being solid in faith and love for the long haul is to continue in this church. This makes you worthy of the greatest respect of the rest of the community and, by the way, keeps you sound and solid. And teach the faith and support the younger set in their marriages and in their parenting and in their life as well as working on your own life and your own marriage and your own grandparenting. So that all of this, says Paul, gives very little ammunition for non-Christians to malign Jesus and his community, his church. Similarly, encourage the young people, I'll let you decide if that's you still. I think I'm still a young person, sort of. Depends who you're with. I don't know. Similarly, encourage the young people to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. Young adults, teenagers, parents of young adults and children and teenagers, young parents, guard your words and attitudes and behaviours. Line yourself up with Jesus' words and attitudes and keep at doing all the good you can as he continues to do all the good you need. Teach slaves, we would say employees, to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Saviour attractive. Hmm. Employees, work well for those in charge as much as you can. Not always easy, I know. Keep away from giving cheek and being cynical. Keep your hands in your own pockets and win trust. Earn it. Not only to improve your own lot, but to help people see this Jesus. Help them see him. Remind all the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. Oh, how I wish I could be this. And all of us play our part in our community and in our country. As a church, be ever ready, folks, to contribute our very best for the good of all friends, strangers and enemies. So our go-ahead St. Petri Lutheran Church Give out those 400 Christmas hampers that we do every year with Lutheran care. Give out those gift bags in the mall, 250 of them this year. Invite that friend. Serve that beautiful pork roast on the spit at the Christmas Shed Happens event. Keep doing that. Very good. Call that person in need. Play your part in these gatherings. Take up a role. Visit that person in hospital Write that card, serve in that community organisation, serve everywhere, especially if you're the boss. And in all of that, work for God's peace that Jesus the Christ child has won for you and gives to you.
as much as it's up to you in your workplace, in your homes this day, down the street, at uni, at school, wherever. This is what the effect of Christmas is, my friends, according to the New Testament. How are you travelling? Christmas does something to us because he has done everything good for us and promises to keep doing that for you, even when you're not too good. That Christ child again calls you to keep doing something good with him. So what are we driven towards as a result of today? Goodness, love, kindness, mercy toward others. And as we gladly engage in this way of living, we don't do it because the letter to Titus says to watch out if you don't. We do it because we carry the baby in our heart. We carry him wherever we go. God with us and for us in your body, in your brain, in your heart, in your spirit. Hands and feet you are of the resurrected Saviour. In the coming of the baby appointed to save the whole world, we receive a lot more than just a vague hope that things might turn out better for the world in some distant future. That's not good enough. We dare to trust today on Christmas Day that we are in fact required contributors to what he is already doing in the world among the people to whom he sends you starting today. Would you let Christmas and the Christ child do his work on you? Do Christmas well as you carry him. Carry the Saviour boy, because he's our joy. And today of all days, you can bank on the fact, you can lay your life on the fact, you are heirs with this Jesus of Nazareth, and you have hope of life today and at the last. In the name of Christ, amen. And the peace and the kindness and the mercy of the Saviour of the world guard you and keep you and give you joy today. In Christ's name, amen. Christ, the Son of God, give you joy and peace by his presence with you wherever you may be. And the blessing of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be upon you this Christmas. Go in peace. Amen. Thanks for listening. Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, New York, Barossa Valley, South Australia. stpetri.org.au